This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Thanks for tuning in to yet another Joy podcast sponsored by Audible. You can support Joy by signing up to a free 30-day Audible trial. Get your very own free audiobook now. Audible.com.au forward slash joy. Good morning. You're listening to The Second Breakfast with Sonia on Joy 94.9, Thursdays 9 to 12. You work at the glass house laundry? I was born there. Part-time washer at seven, full-time from when I was 12. <laughs> what would the vote mean to you? Votes for women. The power is in your hands. <laughs> no one cares, love. Some of us do. So it's like you're bleeding cake hole. <laughs> my life I've been respectful done what men told me you're a wife my wife that's what you're meant to be well I can't have that anymore never underestimate the power we women have to define our own destinies we have been left with no alternative defy this government Vote for women! it is a little over three months since I last stood on this platform on the eve of an Old Bailey trial. The outcome of that trial was I was sent to three years penal servitude. And in a little over three months, I stand here again. At that last meeting, I tried to make my audience understand the reason why women are rebels. We are rebels. And yet I and all other women have justification for rebellion, which neither any other man in the so-called United Kingdom has. They have a constitutional means of, of obtaining redress for their grievances. Women have no such means. I say we are rebels because there is no other way open to us of obtaining redress for the grievances, the grave grievances which women have. You know, there's something worse than apparent failure, and that is to allow yourself to desist from doing something that you are convinced in your conscience is right. And I know that women once convinced that they are doing what is right, that their rebellion is just, will go on, no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the dangers, so long as there is a woman alive to hold up the flag of rebellion. And at any rate, the movement is not going to die, and that is all that matters. We shall break laws in order to get our own way. They know perfectly well that we are breaking the laws because we have had no voice in making them. Because whether just or unjust, we have to submit to them because we are taxed without being represented. I mean to be a voter in the land that gave me birth...
so incredibly proud to be uh, related to such amazing women mm. in more than one the whole generations of it yes. and and you know the issues are still so pertinent so the the baton has been handed down i feel very strongly that it can now be done in democratic ways the whole of my career has been around women's rights and international development as a consequence of those two factors being born in ethiopia yes. and with this whole um, feminist legacy it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. You couldn't make this up, <laughs> as they say, you know. You know, whether there is inevitably a perpetuation of strong stories, if you have mm. a strong mother who talks to her children in a way that they inherit that strength about particular social issues or anything, really, mm. then they will pass it on, etc., etc. So it's a positive circle and... Um, probably replicated you know in so many ways mm. uh, and that's what we need more of isn't it we yeah, need more true. women standing up and being as forceful in their demands for their role in society mm. and passing that on to their children for change yes yes This is Sonia here for Joy 94.9 and uh, speaking to Helen, Helen Pankhurst, a woman who's come a very long way for a very special film, a very engaging film, a film that uh, has taken many years for that sort of topic to reach, I guess, a Hollywood proportion, the kind of film that gets released on a Boxing Day, which is what's happening this year. It's for Suffragette. Time is now is the uh, catchphrase. And certainly it's timely to have you here in the studio at Joy. I want to welcome you this morning, Helen Pankhurst. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. What a journey. Um, come this far with such a such a film of its so you know, such importance. Can you tell us a little bit about the film for those who may not be aware? Yeah, so it's a film called Suffragette about mm. a woman who, until halfway through the film, actually keeps on saying, I'm not a suffragette. Mm. So it's about a woman who, in 1912, becomes almost despite herself involved in the suffrage movement, the movement to get women the vote. Yes. And this mm. movement was led by Emmeline Pankhurst, my great-grandmother. So the film talks about Emmeline a little bit, but more focuses on an individual woman's journey mm. to become political, to get involved in the fight and the personal sacrifices that are involved. Yes, yes, certainly. It's this person, obviously the character is based upon several different, I guess, key key characters, but also, you know, smaller characters that existed That's at the right. time. Yes. So the film has four or five central characters and mm. of those only two well known as individuals, historical characters, mm. Emily Wilding Davison, who plays a critical moment in the film. Yes. And Emmeline, Emmeline Pankhurst. The yeah. others are composite characters. Yes, yes. Which I guess uh, gives it the fuel to be able to affect more people, I guess, more generally, hopefully. That's right. I think the idea of a of the central character being a, a not a historical person meant that you were into her life and you could follow it, whereas mm. a biopic of a single historical character would have meant a certain distance mm. from the from the key person. I think that was a very clever device to pull us all in. So we all mm. become Maud as we watch the film. Yes, Maud Watts played uh, amazingly, I think, by Carrie Mulligan, who... 
uh, just looking online. She spent about a year, I believe, doing some research. And uh, did you meet her? Did you meet the cast? I did. I did. Mm. And Sarah Gavron, the director, spent seven years over this whole project. So it's very much a work of love, uh, almost a testament by women in the whole film industry. So Sarah Gavron, a woman, Mm. the director, um, the producers, the script writers, the main characters, all really strong women producing a film about... Uh, women's rights are very much a testament to it all and I think as we watch the film it's a reminder of how much still needs to be done in every single country in that regard. Exactly yes so it's got quite a a booty of awesome women in it Uh, and also yeah creating it and have made it uh, directed as you said by Sarah Gavron uh, written by Abby Morgan produced by Faye Ward and Alison Owen and we have uh, the wonderful Carrie Mulligan someone who really stood out was Helena Bonham Carter and her role. And that's quite interesting mm. because she comes, she is the great, great granddaughter of uh, Herbert Asquith, the Prime Minister who, above oh. all else, um, was the character who delayed women getting oh, the vote in the UK. Dear. So <laughs> when she was approached about playing yeah. this role with some trepidation, there was a fear that she might not want to play a suffragette. But actually, her response was not a bit of it. And yes. we had a, uh, it was really interesting. Hold her back because yes. it would be like. Mm, making uh, some sort of you know amends, ma- amends I know. And for an actress, that would have been very interesting. It's also got Brendan Gleeson, one of the few men that has quite a pivotal role, and Anne-Marie Duff, Ben Wishaw, of course, and uh, the wonderful uh, Meryl Streep, who plays your great-grandmother. That's mm. right. She comes in. It's a very small, it's a cameo role, and Pretty very much. interesting, mm. actually, because just by being in it she's raised the visibility of the film so mm. you know as an iconic uh, actor to have her in the film has been powerful and she's mimicked the fact that uh, Emmeline Pankhurst was an iconic feminist leader of the movement who would have really not been very well known by the foot soldiers so Maud mm. sees Emmeline once and that's it so the two are very much in parallel with um, the hit the, the story and mm. the reality are kind of interesting I haven't thought of it like that so really Emmeline Pankhurst is some sort of iconic even in that time a celebrity Indeed. you could say within the movement itself and someone you see from afar it's almost like queen like uh, atmosphere you know a royal atmosphere yep. when she greets the crowds yep. on a balcony exactly. just like the queen exactly. or you know a celebrity yeah Not quite the Kardashians, thankfully, but anyway. (laughs) Save us from that. (laughs) Now, I also want to look at, touch on your own career and um, this incredible journey and being a Pankhurst. I mean, when did you, when were you aware that something genetic was going on here, that there was uh, this force of your family, you know, this great... So I was born and brought up in Ethiopia, mm. yes. and there um, my surname is well known because my father is a historian who writes about oh. Ethiopian history, right. so I knew that rather than the association with the suffragette movement and women's rights, but okay. whenever I came to the UK for the holidays, mm. people would ask me about the surname and mm. um, be quite amazed that I was related to Emmeline, mm. so I found that I had to ask more and more questions and find out. And the more I found out, the more interesting it was and the more interesting it was, the more involved I became. And mm. um, so the whole of my career has been around women's rights and international development as a consequence of those two factors, being born in Ethiopia yes. and with this whole um, feminist legacy. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. You couldn't make this up, <laughs> as they say, you know. Almost a um, Hollywood movie waiting to happen in itself as your own story. Well, you know, you wonder a little bit whether... 
just like you know whether there is inevitably a perpetuation of strong stories if you have mm. a strong mother who talks to her children in a way that they inherit that strength about particular social issues or anything really mm. then they will pass it on etc etc so it's a positive circle and um probably replicated you know in so many ways mm. uh, and that's what we need more of isn't it we yeah, need more true. women standing up and being um as forceful in their demands for their role in society mm. and passing that on to their children for change yes yes now have you ever felt uh, any uh, personally any uh, pressure because of what you you carry this mantle so to speak career wise <laughs> did you ever think hey you know what i don't want to I don't want to be involved in politics or change. I think I felt that my voice was so much more mm. powerful in this area than it would be in yes, anything else, right. that it would be silly to ignore. I mean, now and again, I felt a little bit, you know, when you go to the doctors or the dentist or something like that, and you think, <laughs> do I really want to give my surname? You know, this this a male um, right. dentist with a drill there, he might have a grudge again. You know, right, now yeah. and again, I've had this little worry about it. But yeah. honestly, generally, I've felt so incredibly proud to be uh, related to such amazing women mm. in more than one the whole generations of it yes. and and you know the issues are still so pertinent so um the the baton has been handed down i feel very strongly that it can now be done in democratic ways mm. so the suffragettes were well known for their militant tactics because of a government that at a time didn't allow them any democratic yes um, blocked all the way yeah. really um it's it's quite it's quite frightening and the narrow-mindedness and you can just see, sense it in the film as well that there's all these men who are with their machinations and with their power especially the intelligence service as at the time they're really you know it's it's to stop anything changing and it's uh, you, you're reminded too of what's going on in Ireland because I have the Brendan Gleeson character who's Irish uh, playing out a role there to s just do what they can to stop these women yes in fact the first um, ca the certain cameras that were introduced in order to um, keep an eye on the suffragettes Amazing. the whole technologies and also something to do with the f I think one of the first um, motorbikes were given to Scotland Yard in order for them to chase these women on their bicycles. It's a mad thing, isn't it? It's a mad thing, but there you go. Maybe that's why we should, yeah, thank the suffragettes for the iPhone <laughs> or the camera in it. Um, extraordinary. So you must have found out a lot more. Did you find out a lot more while the filming was or while the production was happening? I learned a lot about the whole process of how to um, make this story. So that whole oh, world yes. was very new to me. And mm. yes, each time somebody... Um, would ask me questions both through the film and subsequently, you know, even here, um, finding out about the whole Australian connections. Yes, There's always right. more to learn about any issues, but so that has been fascinating, yeah. Yes, I believe there was a activist uh, who was involved with a hot air balloon. That's right, Muriel Matters, an yes. incredible Australian. See, I've yes. forgotten, I don't even know the name, but hey, I'm a New Zealander, so I'm kind of forgiven. Uh, now, it was very... I felt very proud too at the end credits when 1893, when it said New Zealand got the vote, but first. first. But technically not quite. Because not everybody in New Zealand got it? Or? The Cook Islands actually ah. were the first women who were allowed to go and vote. Okay. Uh, they decided that was going to be the case and the men folk had no choice. On my mother's side, they were involved in, in getting the vote in the Cook Islands. Oh, fantastic, yeah. good. There you go. It's like, And then you wonder, where, okay, so... 
And New Zealand was the second country then in that case? or Pretty much, kind of. but no one would know what the <laughs> Cook Islands were. Um, I think they were under dominion at the time. Okay, it's part okay. of that empire thing, yeah. you know. But, yeah. but then how are they doing in terms of uh, representation, women's representation in Parliament? Uh, yeah, how well are they that's, doing there? That's mm, not so great. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, these things like you have found, I guess, for you in Africa and the work that you're doing there. Tell us a bit about that. That is with Care International. Care, that's yeah. right. So I work partly in Ethiopia with Care International on mm. things such as um, addressing early and forced marriage, but yeah. also water and sanitation provision, because in many countries in the world, women still bear the brunt of having to collect um, water every day in very difficult yeah. conditions, and it reduces their opportunities to do all sorts of things in terms like of going go to, to school. school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So um, uh, Care um, International, including through support from Care Australia, does uh, a lot of work there that I'm involved mm. in. And also in the UK, I'm involved in basically making the link between the suffragettes and current um, feminist um, leaders in different spheres, you know, media celebrities and mm. getting them all together on the Walk in Her Shoes campaign um, to raise awareness and solidarity with women in developing countries. And actually that's something that mm. um, Care Australia does as well. So between March the 8th and the 14th, there's a fundraising initiative, which is uh, very much about this need for international feminism and international solidarity. Mm. Fascinating. Which brings me to the question of, have you met Angelina Jolie? You know, I <laughs> Sorry, haven't. <but laughs> I haven't, but I heard what she said about James Bond. Have you heard that? No. So apparently she was asked, oh, yes, would you like, yeah. um, like to play one of the James Bond girls? Uh, yes, and Bond her girl. response was, mm. no, but I'll play James Bond. Yeah, she's pretty cool yeah, in that respect. She's, really she's cool. done a lot of stuff in the United Nations too, so yeah. really uh, good to see a celebrity doing those things. And that's exactly what we need, don't mm. we? So we need celebrities because their their voice has so much power to, yes. to, to instill change. Yes. But now let's just think, I mean, if your ancestors could see you now you know what what do you think they would think of the world that we do live in now and from your experience to particularly in developing countries yeah i think they would be saying you know honestly we after all that we did and mm. all the sacrifices that we went through the pace of change is not good enough you know really honestly not really no get no, off no. your backsides <laughs> and do a bit more all of us and mm, also with mm. all the technologies that we have at our disposal in terms of social media of course yeah um and the connectedness of the world mm. i think they would say come on a, a, we need more uh, mm. you know having said that there's some amazing uh there's some amazing achievements so in terms of girls education in many many countries now there's mm. very significant change and we have some amazing leaders in every country but still the, the basic fact I think would be they would be saying we need a lot more we need a lot more equality because everybody benefits from it and that's not just about gender equality it's also about all the other divisions in society including ones of color and yes. um, class and caste and you name it why why do we still have to be in a in a world where all those divisions mean Mm. that we, we, we don't allow people the capacities that they that they have. Yeah, to fully uh, realise uh, the potential and dreams. Yeah. And the simple thing of going to school for many girls, young women around the world, uh, we take it for granted and obviously our first world and privilege and everything. But when you start to realise that simple act of being able to step out of the house safely and be able to safely get to school, yeah. journey to school, because it's not always safe for a lot of That's girls right. that I'm aware of in some parts of the world, 
just to get an education is incredible. In fact, incredible. there's some statistics around the number of countries, CARES did some work on this, a number of countries mm. where girls are more likely to be married off by the age of 18 than to be enrolled in secondary school. Oh, and there dear. are many countries. So, for example, Niger has the worst of the lot, mm. where there is a 10% probability of a girl continuing in education and a 76% of probability of her being married off by the age of 18. Right. So, yes. um, you know, still... Still so much to be done. Still so many uh, areas to be dealt with. Now, of course, I, I watched something with Meryl Streep was chatting about. Uh, it was a press conference and uh, she talked about the history in England itself. I think she referred to 1913 and that a woman in England could still be married off too at age 12, I think, was the, the age limit, which yeah. is shocking. Yeah. You know, and just the, over 100 years that's ago. That's right. And there's one scene where... Maud, with a lot of pride, actually talks mm. about her work and starting at the age of seven in the, as a laundrette, la, in, as yes, a laundry worker, yeah. um, part time at the age of seven, full time at the age of twelve, mm. part time at the age of seven, seven. full time at the age of twelve. And so small back then because people were smaller in build, yeah. um, and you can tell that by. I don't know if you've been on any of the old trams in Melbourne yeah. yet, but the City Circle, you step on the little steps and then tiny feet and little seats and you realise she must have been so small yeah. and so dangerous, that work, so yeah. hard. And that's still a reality, you know, garment makers in yes. Bangladesh and Textiles so many places and carpet still, yeah. makers. Um, we all like our nice carpets, but where do they come from? I actually bought, I remember buying a rug a few years ago and not realising, not having that awareness, but uh, the guy was very keen to sell it to me and I was like expensive but anyway I got it at the time I could afford it and it was awesome and it was from uh, Bangladesh and then he flipped it over and the underside and showed me a stamp of approval that said no children no yeah. child Labor. girls had been used to make this and I hadn't thought of it mm. until he showed me he was very proud of his label he said look we're definitely guaranteed that and it's had the stamp of approval mm. and I was quite shocked and I investigated it further and Mm. which was very disappointing to know mm. that exists, that, you know. I think that's absolutely mm. right. You know, in, in many countries there are these specific uh, issues that are still constraining women that remind us of what things mm. were like 100 years ago. Amazing. Uh, but also at the same time, I think it's really important to look at it in the global context. So, um, you know, for example, in terms of political representation, Rwanda, a country in Africa, is doing so much better than uh, Australia. So, you know, it's, yes. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an odd world we live in. And I think mm. the other thing I've been thinking about right now in December 2015 is the fact that in Saudi Arabia, the last country in which yes. women are going to be allowed to vote now in December... We have a thousand women just under, I think, who are mm. standing in elections. And, you know, they are the suffragettes of today. Yes. Standing in a country that doesn't allow women to, to drive and right. where there are still so many constraints. So Ooh. so they are standing. It's about a thousand. About right? a thousand are standing. Right. I think about 7,000 men are standing. Um, and, you know, yes. there's still major constraints. But, it, but, you know, how incredibly courageous of those women to do that mm. a friend of mine pointed out that on a certain airline that particular country Saudi Arabia you can actually take a hawk uh, treated very well but you can take hawks onto the plane <laughs> there we go Tevid, obviously but and it's like the care yeah, and the, to, the to care work. for this yeah. bird yeah. a bird of prey this yeah. bird and they have special waiting areas for them on the airports and and then you realize that there's no women in those pictures yeah. there's no women on those planes yeah. and you think it's one of the wealthiest places in the world yeah. um, because of its resources and um 
It's a, it's a shock. It it's is. a real shock. It is. And by contrast, by the way, in Ethiopia mm. recently, I think in November, had a all-women piloted plane um, and staffed plane. Everything was done by women. The first time Amazing. I've heard of that. That's incredible. I have to look that up. That's awesome. Like, that is inspiring. Now, do you spend much time there now? I do, about half your, my time, yeah. Oh, half your time. Yes, so half the year or... No, I what? come and go a lot, okay. so I'll do a bit there and then a bit in the UK mm. and so on. Mm. Excellent. Quite a lot of mileage, but then in Australia, I think people are used to uh, travelling these... Very long distances, ridiculous as well. distances in <laughs> the same country. And externally, yes. it is it is easier to get to South Africa from, I believe, from Melbourne than it is to get to Perth. <laughs> it's about the same distance or yeah. something. It's madness, but it is a big a big continent after all. But you have said in an interview, this was from last year, from an article in the Telegraph online, telegraph.co.uk, about uh, woman's life. It was something you you mentioned about how the um, museum was at the National Gallery, National Portrait Gallery, sorry, in England, had an exhibition which included portraits of your ancestors, Emmeline and Sylvia, I believe, and interesting, interesting that over 100 years ago, there would there were surveillance photographs being given to staff to to make sure that these women, you know, keep a lookout, these are dangerous women, because they were probably yeah. the equivalent of terrorists today. Yes, I guess so. I mean, the mm. state was very um, scared of them. So you have these portraits, you have these mug shots of the mm. suffragettes. And oh, so ironic that they are now on display <laughs> in the same places where they were issued to the police yes. to say, don't let these women in. Just it's incredible. madness, isn't it? And, and the proof of how far we've gone, really, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So you know, They were right all along. All along, that's correct. And you've also said that uh, troublemakers have, over time, become worthy of tribute. I guess that is true. Yes, I was thinking also recently about Mandela. You know, yes. he was considered a terrorist. He mm. was in favour of militant yeah. actions. Uh, and yet, over time, we managed to see him as one of the most incredible leaders of the world mm. in terms of his ideas of peace and mm. uh, understanding and you know conflict resolution. Mm, that only much. emerged because... Over time, um, the world changed and allowed him space to to govern. Uh, and, you know, the same, I think, applies to the suffragettes mm. in that yeah, at the time they were considered these dangerous rebels. In the suffragette case, it's really important to note that they were against violence to uh, human beings. So they yes. were not... Yep. In any case, in any way condoning violence, they you know they were willing to mm. have it done to them. And boy, oh boy, did they suffer from a lot mm. of state violence. Mm. Um, but they did get involved in arson attacks. And, um, you know, 100 years later, we understand why they had to go to that measure mm. and, um, you know, look up to them as incredible uh, leaders and women who've allowed us some of the spaces that we now occupy. Mm. Interesting that, yes, they were blowing up the... Um, what at the time would have been like a Wi-Fi spot, hotspot, you know, because <laughs> they understood channels. Yeah, of they understood communication was so important. And yes, of course, I, I'm not saying that they're the type of terrorists that we obviously yeah. don't support today, but certainly at the time uh, they knew that they had to make some impact to get people's attention. Yeah, they? the other really interesting mm. thing is that the media was hand in glove with the government. The government was able to quash a lot of mm. the media reports. And there's even a scene in the film where the main characters 
um, blow up the house of the uh, main political characters. Mm. Nobody's in that house. They make sure nobody's in that house, but the house gets bombed out. Now, this yes. house was paid for by the news of the world. So it was paid for by the whole media outlet for a member of the government. Mad. So... Yeah. Today that would have been exposed. Yeah. It, it could still happen, perhaps, but it would at least be exposed yeah. by other media outlets, you know, and that's that's a good thing that we have that yeah. still. That was interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, interesting. There are many sort of elements in the film that reflect, I guess, um, some of the pol- politics of today and, uh, of course, what is happening in developing countries, which you have been you know, involved in, certainly. And now, as far as the film goes, why do you think people, women, men, why do you think everyone should see the film? Do you think it is important? I think it's really important. I mean, Mm. firstly, I think they'd they'd love it. I I, I dare anybody to go to that film and be bored and not not (laughs) enjoying it. It really, it kind of, it it draws you in. It's a very, very powerful film. It's not a kind of, it's not a be bored and be lectured at type film in any way. But I think secondly... By watching it, I think it reminds us of all the sacrifices, and I think it. it I think people get angry, angry at mm. all the injustices, and the, it kind of empowering in a sense that okay, we've got to do things as well. So uh, it, it's a motivator, and I also think it's particularly important that um, people go and see it early on because I didn't know this before, but the first few weeks of a film's release are critical mm. in terms yeah. of how far the film will then get, where it will be distributed, distributed to. Distributed, yes. So it's almost like voting. You know, if you believe in the importance of women voting mm. uh, which you know hopefully most people do now <laughs> in this day hope, and age yes. it's equally important that you vote and go and see that film because by doing that you're you're saying to the whole industry which is so male dominated yes. yeah um uh, this is a this is the type of films we want to watch the films produced mm. by women directed by women about an issue which is core to Mm. our identity and And the whole world I mean the whole media world I mean it's just it's really interesting so Meryl Streep had a look at this Rotten Tomato indicator um, which tells us about what which Mm. films to go and see and she thought well let me just find out how many men and women contribute to that uh, indice and she saw initially that there were about 100 women so she thought okay maybe there's no problem and then she thought well let me just double check just check how many men there are and how many men do you think there are that contribute to that indice about 2,000 maybe? Well, you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was, it's actually 800. Goodness, so it's about yeah. 100 wow. to 800. Yeah. And therefore, the whole mm. we're inf- without we, us knowing it, we're influenced to go to see certain yes. films and to value those above others. Yes. So this is really a plea to get more women yeah. involved as providing um, uh, critiques of films and also to vote with your feet and go out and take your friends and your daughters and your sons to see this film. Has your daughter seen it? Your, she, she's yes. in it as well, actually. Oh, okay. so, so you guys are in it? Yeah. 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 Got this tiny shot. Yeah. yeah, what was that like? Was it? Oh, incredible. Really yeah. very moving and really interesting. Really, yeah. really interesting. See the actual technology, uh, you know, the techniques yeah. and, and the... See how process. much detail goes into it. I mean, mm. oh, there's amazing detail. detail. What I love about it is the care to that detail. Mm-hmm. I guess, particularly in the, is it the laundrette? Would it be called yeah. the laundry? Yeah. Laundrette. Yeah. Um, yes, you get that feeling that oh dear, who would want to put themselves through that? And that the men. I mean, it's an interesting point she makes when she's caught talking to with her testimony to Lloyd George, the Maud character played by Carrie Mulligan. It's interesting when she's saying, "Well, you know, the women do get problems with." respiratory issues because of the toxic fumes uh, from the laundry and uh, the men get to go outside more and get more air so they don't have so many problems and yet spoiler the husband can't care for the child 
that they have. So that's a really emotional, you know, time as well. You just get really... mm. Yeah, and I think that... I mean, a a lot of us know this, I think, Mm. as men and, and as women, that... We might be exposed to a lot of physical problems, a lot of um, difficulties, but the emotional, the, the power of emotional problems to, to, to affect us is so much greater. And in this film, you have some incredibly physically violent scenes. Yes. You, know, you have the women being punched. Why are they I being know. punched? They're being punched because they want to vote. All, they, all they're asking for is to have the right to vote. And here they are being punched. So you've got that scene. You've got a force feeding scene, which is incredibly um, the, difficult. Yeah, those, Why are actually. they being force fed? They're being force fed because they want to. I mean, it's just. Un, it's just well, it's they don't just, want them to die because that would look bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, so physically some incredible mm. scenes. And then you have that one emotional, probably a couple of really emotional yeah. scenes where. Maud's relationships are breaking down yes. in particular access to her son yes that's and a that's, hard one that's a hard one it's that's that a hard one so I guess for the, the history for a lot of women is the removal of a child mm. they don't have control to keep and uh, adoption is something where the state gets involved the church gets involved I wouldn't like to know the numbers of how many women worldwide yeah. still are affected by yeah. the removal of their own children yeah, because they're no not rights. fit to care for yeah. them. So-called not fit. It's just wrong. It's just, And so many of us have been affected by that. Mm-hmm. Or our grandmothers or, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a powerful yeah. scene, mm-hmm. I must admit. Sorry for the spoiler, everyone, but it's worth, <laughs> you'll get it when you see it. But yes. And I think it's important, we've talked about the, all the difficult scenes, but mm. it's important also, It's um, you, bring your tissues, bring your <laughs> handkerchiefs or whatever. Yeah. But it's also the kind of film where you go out with mixed emotions, I think, in terms of um, a lot of anger at the injustice. And I think a lot of, well, we've got to do things type emotion. It's not just, mm. it's not just a, um, a, I suppose, a slightly passive thing. I mean, crying is, 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 is not the dominant emotion. I think by the end of it, you're feeling, oh, you know, we, we've got to do things. It's, yes, it's, especially when you see the roll call, so to speak, of who had votes first and then you realise... Oh, over a hundred years later, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Yes. And you're certainly one of those people of change. And it must be something in the water, the Pankhurst <laughs> taps or something, <laughs> for it to come through and to be so strong. I mean, I guess you could have gone the way of your your dad. You could have, couldn't you? Yeah, I could have but done other things. But done would, would, yeah, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been incredibly privileged to have the name and I wouldn't have changed it for the life of me. Mm. And actually that issue of naming is really is uh, oh, another yes, example. Yes, I yes. mean, look, look how many women change their names and how many um, mm. uh, mothers and uh, fathers don't give their mother's name as a surname to their children. And it still makes headlines. There was, uh, I think it was a celebrity of some sort. She... Uh, her new husband took her name and it it was a headline apparently that was a big story but it just shows you the wow that's still a radical thing yeah yeah there's a label i guess it's still a radical move isn't it and Mm. it's a it's a small symbolic evidence of continued inequality true very true well look alan i think we will leave it there it's been absolutely fabulous speaking to you um amazing just amazing and uh, i wish you all the best uh, you taking the film where to next to so sydney next yes yeah great and back to and then back to the uk yeah. cool excellent and good luck with all your work with care uh, of course that's care international uk and uh helping to deliver basically 
the right for everyone to have access and access to water, of course, too, particularly women. So, yes, people can find out more about that. I'll put that on the Facebook page as well. But um, thank you so very much for speaking to us here on Joy 94.9. Real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to The Second Breakfast with Sonia on Joy 94.9. On Joy. Thanks for tuning in to yet another Joy podcast sponsored by Audible. You can support Joy by signing up to a free 30-day Audible trial. Get your very own free audiobook now audible.com.au forward slash joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.